It's a real delight to come here. Um, I love it. I think you've got something very beautiful here. Um, we were pastors at Raumati Beach Church and we've gone back to uh, Grace Vineyard and we've gone back as uh, retired but grandparent role and uh, we work a day a week each in uh, Grace Vineyard Christchurch around the campuses there. We preach. We also work for the network going around encouraging the pastors. So, um, yeah, we get to do this, which is very wonderful to be able to encourage our um, family who are pastors. But I love what you're building here. I love the simplicity and the joy and the focus on the scriptures, the focus on Jesus and Holy Spirit. Where would we be without Holy Spirit? And that's what I want to talk about today. Who is Holy Spirit? And you'll notice I'm not using the word the, because the makes it like an object. Holy Spirit is a person. You know, I don't call you the Phil or the Sue. It's lovely to have Sue here. Sue was at our church in Romati. Also, Karina and David have been part of our, part of our church in Romati. Is there anyone else here that would like to fess up that they were part of our church? Um, so it's just lovely to be amongst, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, Paul. Yes, I forgot. So who is Holy Spirit? Because the way you think about Holy Spirit really influences how much you acknowledge him in your life. First of all, let's get something clear. It's not Jesus in your heart. Jesus is in heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding 24-7, and he's moonlighting as the advocate. So he's not only praying, but he is, it says, when we sin, we confess, and the advocate, he's also our advocate, who brings us before the Father when we come to him and say, I've done it again, I've failed again, I've sinned. You know, it's not about you sinning. I mean, as we go on, we, we will never be sinless until we see him face to face. But we should be sinning less as we go on in Jesus. And not because we want a whole lot of rules, because as we know more and more of God's love, that is the natural response to sin less. Sometimes we just want to give a whole lot of rules I'm, someone said to me, I'm, swear, I'm not very close to the Lord, I'm swearing at work. I said, don't worry about the swearing. Spend some time with Jesus. Let him love you. Then the swearing will disappear. Now, it's taken years for me, I might add. <laughs> I try, did my nursing training in Australia, so I always blame them. Um, so who is Holy Spirit? John 16 Jesus, as he leaves his disciples, he tells them something that they don't want to hear. Just put yourself in the picture. But what I'm about to tell you is true. It is for your good that I'm going away. Who would ever think after being with Jesus, seeing him resurrected, him being with them for 40 days, comforting them, giving them instructions, 
that it would be for their good. I don't think they would have seen this. This had to be a lived out experience for them. It is for your good that I go away. Unless I go away, the friend, helper, will not come to you. But if I go, when I go, I will send him to you. It is the best that I go away. How strange. The Spirit was sent to reveal Jesus just as the far as the Son was sent to reveal the Father. This incredible symbiotic trinity, three in one, the Lord God of Israel. He's three in one. He's the third, the Holy Spirit, third person of the Godhead. Do you see him as an influence? Or do you see him as a person? It's actually the spirit of Jesus through the Holy Spirit that is in your heart. That is who is dwelling within you. You were born again of the Holy Spirit. Some people don't always go further. And there's another experience. You can have the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes, occasionally, that spontaneously comes upon people. But usually it's desire. I was uh, 25 when I became a Christian, came, never been in the church, came out of everything that you come out of when you haven't lived as a Christian, got saved. Next week, they prayed for me, got the Holy Spirit. I didn't know anything about. It wasn't controversial to me. I just, I'd been so encountered by Jesus Christ, I was having everything. Was delivered just by them praying for me. I didn't know what deliverance was. Sometimes we can be intellectually handicapped with having too much of an intellectual way of looking at Jesus and the Holy Spirit. These things go through the heart. The Holy Spirit is the manifest presence of Jesus sent to of God sent to reveal Jesus. Incredible how Jesus always wanted the glory to go to the Father. The Father sends Holy Spirit to reveal Jesus, the only one who we can be saved by. There is only one way to the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has come to reveal Jesus. That is why we're born again of the Spirit. We are filled with the Spirit. You know, we have normal Christian birth is salvation by repentance, forgiveness, confession, then we have water baptism, Holy Spirit baptism. If you look in the accounts in Acts 2 and 3, it all happened pretty much in one day. And when it hadn't happened, they'd come to them and say, have you received the Holy Spirit yet? And they said, we have not yet heard of it. And it appears they didn't go into a great intellectual theological debate. They just prayed for them, receive the Holy Spirit. The Spirit came upon them. There's many incidences in the book of Acts where the Holy Spirit fell and there wasn't time to give people the theology before the experience. But of course you can ask questions. But do you know what? Sometimes an experience will take away your questions. It's like saying to people before they actually... Um, it's very hard to understand God outside of being uh, in, in salvation. There are some things you just will never understand until the veil has been taken away from you. We are the dwelling place of Holy Spirit. 
We are the dwelling place. You are the dwelling place of Holy Spirit. Wherever you go, you're taking Holy Spirit with you. The problem is that through life, through disappointment, through busyness, through the enemy, we are often not acknowledging Holy Spirit, not expecting Holy Spirit, not, you know, theologically you can say, what does it mean come Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit's here? But there's something isn't there about when you're invited to a party, it's much nicer than just looking through the window wishing they'd ask you. Holy Spirit is always available to us. He, he's here with us this morning. I can feel his presence. He's here with you in your workplace. He's, here with, he's there with you when you're sick. He's there with you when you're disappointed. If you look at all the jobs that he has, he's the paracletos. He's the comforter. He comes alongside to comfort. And not only comfort, he comes to guide. He comes to teach you. He comes to whisper to you. But it's still, it's like if you go to a talk um, or you're listening to something, you actually have to tune in. Otherwise, you know how it goes, and a lot of adults are like this too, and even family members, when they're on their phones, it's like you could be burning a fire in front of them. <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. And there's just this incredible thing. And that's how it must be for Holy Spirit. It must feel like we're all on our phones at times when he's actually just wanting to draw, wanting to love us, wanting to love us, wanting to comfort us. He's the very best comforter. He doesn't belong to a denomination or a particular age group. This is the wonderful thing. Come, eat, buy. You who have no money, Come and experience Holy Spirit. The church, hopefully, 90-something percent is a place where you don't have to pay for the gifts of God. And when it gets used in a way where it becomes a money-making thing, it doesn't end well. The early church in Acts looked to, interacted with, depended on, spoke of, and included Holy Spirit in their lives. In today's church, he can be the most ignored person in the church. Holy Spirit's desire is to be our closest friend. Has a mind, will, emotions, he speaks, he comforts, he teaches, can be made to feel sorrow. You can grieve Holy Spirit. We never want to do that, do we? We'll do it sometimes, unwittingly, but we never want to grieve Holy Spirit for the sake of our problem, uh, of, of our programs. It's so important during a meeting of, the, of brothers and sisters in Christ that we always leave room for Holy Spirit, even if it mucks up our program. The early church was so encountered by Holy Spirit. But they were, the, in an incredible way, they were the first group of people, that 3,000 were going to go out and spread the gospel. It was almost like they, they got the Holy Spirit, which changed them all. 
I mean, don't forget there were probably a million people there. They thought there was probably a million Jews there at the time because it was the, it's the, the Pente, Feast of Pentecost and the Passover had been six weeks before and their practice was to kind of hang around. Maybe that was their summer holidays. 3,000 on the first day. So there were a lot who didn't receive, but they heard it. When they talk about that mighty rushing wind, do you know it could be heard all over the place? It wasn't just some little breeze. It was like New Zealand. It was like our kind of wind. It was like Cyclone Bowler. It was that kind of wind. You couldn't have missed it because people came to the square to see what was happening. And you know that Jesus... He wants us to live in such a way and be the kind of church group of people that people will come to see what is happening and not for sensationalism, for having your lives changed, for having your lives turned around, for having gifts to give to other people. The Holy Spirit is the giver of the gifts. There are nine gifts. What is your gift? Do you know what your gift is? Have you asked Holy Spirit? The church, we need empowering by the Spirit. And it's one of those things, it's like the gift of tongues. You get prayed for in the initial days, and some of you may not have been, and we'd love to pray for you today if you haven't. And you get the gift, and then you kind of just tuck it away for emergencies. But what does it say in Jude? It says, you build yourself up by praying in the most holy spirit, wait for it, there's even something better, keeping yourself in the love of God. Are you feeling that you're not in the love of God? Well, here is one of the answers. Pray in the most holy spirit to build yourself up. This is not to build anyone else up. This is to build yourself up. Keeping yourself in the love of God. How easy it is to fall away in your heart, from the love of God. Most of our fear and anxiety is because we're away from knowing the love of God. Most of our fears come because we cannot trust God because of all the stuff that's happened to in our lives. You spend your whole life getting fixed from your life. But that's actually part of it. I'm 70, and God is still, thank him, dealing with me, dealing with my heart, dealing with my attitudes, whispering to me, that's Holy Spirit's work. Maybe what you did yesterday wasn't that great. Maybe how you spoke to that person wasn't so great. You know, also always, I feel like the Holy Spirit's saying to me all the time now, think about the backstory. People act angry, people reject you. There is pain. That comes from pain. That comes from developing behavior to try and protect you from the pain you've had in your life. And, you know, my father left when I was very young. He was Welsh. Well, you know, it doesn't mean there's anything against the Welsh. He was Welsh. He had run away from Wales when he was 16 years old to uh, join the Navy because he didn't want to go down the coal mines. And he also ran away because his father was beating his mother up, especially on payday. And he'd come home drunk, and that was the practice in those villages, you know. They worked hard, and my grandmother would send my father up when he was eight years old to get the father's pay before he went to the pub. And he'd come home angry, 
and alcohol, even though it can be pleasant, can also cause some pretty allow. These behaviours are in you. They're not sort of magicking from somewhere like that wasn't me. Well, who was it? But alcohol lowers your inhibitions and changes things in your mind. And he left because he stood between his mother and his father. And he didn't. He, he, he hit his father and his mother said, you've got to go. And he never saw his mother again. That is life, isn't it? So he comes out to New Zealand. He marries my mother, who's pregnant. They have three children in three years, four years. He drinks. He beats my mother. And that wounds you. And I felt, you know, that wound of rejection I have carried with me most of my life. But I have got better at it. And when you, are, when you feel rejected, you reject others. When you feel rejected, you want to control circumstances. And when, before, just before we left the church in Raumati, I felt very, very, very... This is a, I hope this is glorifying the Holy Spirit. I felt very hurt about a group of people we had so loved. And there was a misunderstanding, and I'm sure we were part of it. I'm sure how we reacted didn't help. And they left the church, and they felt like children to me, adult children. Um, and I was just weeping so much about it. It was during the COVID time. I'd walk on the Pika Pika Beach, and I actually groaned. There's a scripture in Romans 8 that says, sometimes we groan because the, it's too deep. There's pain. There's pain. There's pain. It's too deep. And we, I groaned in the spirit. And thankfully, no one else, else was around, but I actually didn't care. And then my very, really good friend came and said to me, I had a dream about you. And you see, this is another thing. The Holy Spirit gives us dreams. And the dream was that she saw me drowning in a puddle. Now, note that. It wasn't deep water. It was a puddle. And she picked me up and she started shouting over me in tongues. And that was, that's exactly what she would do. And then she turned. Oh, if it wasn't my son, I'd be, you know, doing some church. Yeah, you, oh, you're a wonderful son. She turned and, and um, she saw a Welsh choir standing in the corner and it was singing in Welsh to me. You see, that's the Holy Spirit. Just because I'd felt so rejected by my father, who was Welsh, and because of that, I lost some of my heritage, and they singing in Welsh to me, to heal me. And when she told me the dream, it was like so much healing came. And I realized that when those people left the church, it triggered that wound in me that I had from it being a little girl. But that is what the Holy Spirit does. That healed me in a way that if someone had said it to me, wouldn't have happened. And so from then on, I just paid Welsh hymns and I almost felt I could understand them in the spirit. 
and I have a particular love for part of my heritage. And I've been there, and when I get there, I just want to speak like them, I want to do the sing-songy accent, the whole thing. <laughs> this stuff's in our bones. It's in our DNA. And when we are wounded, we get triggered. But we don't have to stay we keep going. We keep presenting ourselves. We keep sitting in that chair and saying, here I am. <laughs> That's all your prayer has to be. Here I am. And allow the Holy Spirit to come upon you and to heal you. So you can know what it is to be free. So you can share with others what Jesus has done for you. I feel very... Um, healed but we'll never be completely healed until we're with him <laughs> be terrible if someone yelled out that was rubbish <laughs> yeah so yes so this is part of what Holy Spirit does and you've all got a story I know some of them. I know some of them. And I could guess at others because there's pain. And what do we do with it? Let's just look. If you're not convinced about the power of the Spirit and how important spirit, the Spirit is to us, let's just go through the book of Acts. Just a few scriptures here. <laughs> It says in James 4, the spirit who dwells with us yearns jealously, longs for our time and attention. That's pretty clear, isn't it? How is it that we find it so hard to just stop and sit? Most of my prayers are silent. I sit and just say, come, come to me, help. Show, and I wait and let the Holy Spirit lead me. Here's Acts 5. This is after they've been preaching, the apostles, the disciples, who were so empowered that it turned a group of fishermen into amazing theologians, so full of the power and the love of God, they couldn't help but tell anyone they gave their lives to talk about Jesus and the gospel. They get put in jail in the night, in the middle of the night, an angel comes, unlocks the keys, they're out. And what are they doing? They're preaching, they're praying, they're talking about Jesus. And in Acts 5, it says, we're telling people these things, and they get called before some council, and, um, and they, they're saying, what should we do with them? Should we put them back in jail? And one of them speaks up and said, if this is of God, you cannot stop it. Let them go. He didn't know he was being used by Holy Spirit, did he? And out they went again, preaching. And they just said, we're telling people about these things, and so is Holy Spirit. God has given the Spirit to those who obey him. And then the wonderful story of Cornelius. He was a Roman guard, centurion. It said he was a God-fearing man. He used to go near the temple. He used to, play, um, used to pay what was called alms, which is giving, tithes, uh, more than tithes, whatever. 
He wanted, he had a desire in his heart for God. He didn't know how to get there, but he knew it was something to do with that temple. It was something to do with this group of people. And he had others with him, it said, who were God-fearing. And God, an angel appears to him. This is the way, you know, appears to him and tells him, tomorrow at this time or the next day, uh, someone will come to you now, and you will, will tell you about what you must do to be saved uh, because they weren't Jews. And so th- he sends uh, six men off and then three are just about to approach the door of where Peter is staying with Simon the Tanner. But as just before they came to the door, maybe they were halfway there, Peter's up on the balcony, he's hungry, and he's thinking about lunch. I love that bit. I'm always thinking about food. (laughs) I thought, that is so human, isn't it? He's up there, as was his custom, and he's thinking about the lunch. When a vision appears before him, and it's a, it's a great big cloth of four corners, and every animal uh, that was actually denied to the Jews, and they weren't allowed to eat it, um, and it was health laws, and also because God wanted to separate his people. He wanted their distinctives so people would know who they were. And it was also health laws for those times. And it gets lowered down and a voice says, take, eat. And he is horrified. You know, like we don't eat, you know, mountain lions, do we? Okay? So if someone serves us a meal of mountain lion, you'll just, I couldn't eat that. That's conditioning. That is learned behavior and it's very, very strong. And theirs was tied up with the worship of God. So takes it up again, goes down again, take, eat, I have made all things clean, do not call unclean what I have made clean. Third time, same thing, often three times you get the message. And can you imagine the transaction that's taking place in him? He's a Jew, he knows Jesus, he's baptized in the Spirit, he's empowered by the Spirit, But there's still some things that need to change because the gospel needs to go to all people. You hear a knock at the door just before, it says here, um, the Holy Spirit whispered to me not to let anything, the Holy Spirit whispered to him, there's some men downstairs, they're going to ask you to go with them, do not let anything stop you from going with them. He opens the door, They tell him about Cornelius, off they go. He goes to Cornelius, he comes into the room, Cornelius falls at his feet and he said, get up, it's not me, it's about Jesus, it's about spirit. The spirit fell on the group of people. There was no discussion about whether it was this or that or tongues or this or that. They're all, a lot of them are distractions to stop us experiencing the power that we need to live the Christian life that we need to witness to the gospel, that we need to recover from our wounds. And he goes, and they're all saved. Holy Spirit. Acts 16, 28, they came to the border of Mysia. From there we tried to enter uh, enter Bithynia, but the Spirit would not let us. What did that look like? Was there a force field? What was it? 
This is the Holy Spirit. And then in 15, they're there discussing in Jerusalem about all the laws and the rules and the health laws. And they're trying to uh, embrace the Gentiles, bring them in. And they're saying, what should we do? And they settled on four things. And they said, this is what seemed good to the Holy Spirit and us. We will not put a load on them that's too heavy. So here are a few basic rules and settled on the four things. Which you can look up if you like when you go home. And then there's this last one, which I think is beautiful. Acts 20, 22 to 24. This is Paul talking to the elders of Ephesus. He's traveled with them. He's bled for them. He's been beaten up. He's wept for them. He's prayed continually in tongues for them. All he wants is to see Jesus glorified and to see the gospel of the good news go out. And he's talking to the Ephesian elders, and they are crying, hanging on to him. And he says, now I am going to Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit compels me. I don't know what will happen to me there. I only know in every city the Spirit warns me I will face prison and suffering. That is how powerful the Holy Spirit was in his life. That even, like most of us, have to deal with stuff when it happens to us, but not many of us walk into it knowing, oh, when I go down to Waikanae, I'm going to be put in jail. So that other people could know Jesus. You see, but we can't do that in our strength. We can't conjure up that kind of courage. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that will help us through these things. It is only the power of the Holy Spirit, and not just the power of the Holy Spirit, the actualized, realized, acknowledged, invited, welcomed Holy Spirit. You can be baptized in the Spirit and have the door shut. And it's kind of easy, especially when you're in pain. It seems like it just, it's hard. It's really hard. But it's the only thing that's going to help us. When you're desperate, cry out, come Holy Spirit. You don't need to say anything else. And he won't take away the circumstances, but he will strengthen you. He will abide with you. He will walk with you. And he'll bring amazing dreams and answers. That dream healed me. I just had no idea the pain was still there. Our lives and labor are draining and wearisome without the Holy Spirit. We've got this vessel in here, but the river has to flow. It has to flow. Boulders get in there. If you remove or ignore the Holy Spirit in a church, you morph into a social club, religious institution. There is no revelation without Holy Spirit. Do you want revelation? It has to come from Holy Spirit. 
2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the, where the Lord is the Holy Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. Are you free? I want to be even more free. I want to have every bit of freedom that was paid for by Jesus. And yes, he paid for it. Yes, he broke the power. But actually, it has to, we have to. It's like when it says in um, Romans, you present yourself as a living sacrifice. You renew your mind. He will transform you. See how we have to do the first two bits. We have to present, which is our acceptable service of worship, and then we have to renew. How do we renew? By using the word of God. That's how powerful the word of God is. It can renew our minds. Through that, God transforms us. Occasionally, you get a 1% transformation, and he does wonderful things, but usually it's because he wants partnership. He wants relationship. He doesn't want passivity. He wants us with him. He wants communion. You see, that was the eating and uh, drinking, but there's a much... And that is a picture of communion. But it's communion. You can take uh, communion at home by yourself, and I suggest you do, and do it regularly. But there's something beautiful about taking it, being at the table with your brothers and sisters. It's a close mutual partnership. Fellowship, partnership, intimacy. 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship, communion, of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have you thought about that particular statement? The communion of the Holy Spirit. We know the faith and the love, but the communion of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit in us, with us, amongst us. Can I just... Um just before we do that, or you'll do it while doing it, I just wanted to share a, a testimony which might encourage you. Really, encourage you. I had to, um, I was speaking at West at Christchurch, we've got a number of churches, and they wanted me to use vineyard, they were going through vineyard values, and one of the values was this term, come Holy Spirit, which they used to use. This term actually came from, I think it was Lonnie Frisbee, the Jesus Revolution, bought that term, and John Wimber in the church, he was the founder, used that term. And, and they asked me to preach on it as one of the values. And, um, and I started to reflect, and I thought, we used to, years ago, I'd been to John Wimber's the seminars and the Vineyard Movement, and it was used, you know, come Holy Spirit, and it's kind of, I don't know, we just don't perhaps do it like that. And, um, and it's not a mantra, it's not a thing, you know, you just got a, a formula. But I thought, at the end, I, I, I preached, and then I just said, let's have some time, let's just wait on the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything, it's just wait. And um, we waited for a while, and there's always those moments, you don't know what's going to happen, but... Um, in that time, the Spirit started to touch people. Some started crying. Some you know, were really overwhelmed by the Spirit. And we just went round and just blessed what the Holy Spirit was doing. It was quite a lovely time. But out of that meeting, a couple of testimonies. Um, a lady I spoke to later, 
she said, she said, I've been an amazing anxiety in my life. I've been anxious all my life. I've had, I mean, taking things to help me, uh, OCD, I've got all sorts of issues. She said, the Holy Spirit came on me and completely healed me. She said, I'm completely different. And usually, you know, you just, these things, you know, you usually try other things. And I'm not saying we, we, we need medication. We need all sorts of things. But the Holy Spirit healed her. And another man, apparently, who had had similar issues, said to the pastor, he said, I've had all these problems all my life. And he said, suddenly, I'm gone. I'm completely different. I'm completely changed. And I was thinking... We just decided to wait on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> if I hadn't have done that, maybe that it was just a moment, you know. God started to do all sorts of things. So I was just very, very encouraged, and I just wanted what Bron just bring, bring, bringing out. Let's perhaps let's even stand. Let's, let's open our hearts and open our hands, and just we're just going to wait on the Holy Spirit. And see what he does. And he may come in different ways. It doesn't matter. Sometimes he's quiet for you. Or sometimes he touches you in different ways. But Father, we just, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for Bron's message. And even about her, the wound of her own family. And how you healed. And Lord, I, I feel that you want to even do similar healings here. And, and wounds. And Father, I, I just pray... We, we say, come, Holy Spirit. I know he's come already, but we welcome him. What we're saying is we welcome you. We, we invite you. We invite you to come and just do healing, do whatever you want. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just wait on you. Thank you, Jesus.